0: I know a place where we can This is Crosswalk Colorado Springs, a local community faith program from 100.7, The Word.
1: Welcome to Crosswalk Colorado Springs. This is Pastor Eric Cartier from Rocky Mountain Calvary. This is a local show, and I'm a local pastor. We're really focused on Colorado Springs in Southern Colorado. We're Monday through Wednesday from 5 to 6 right here on 100.7, uh, The Word. Just want to remind you if you miss part of today's show you'll find it on our podcast crosswalk Colorado Springs, anywhere that you stream your podcast so hope that you're doing well that your day is going good last week last Monday, we talked about uh, why church why is it important to go to church and why is church important to the Lord and important for us and and this week, I want to take a look at well what's a healthy church how can we see what's a healthy church from God's perspective, from God's uh, word. And Jesus writes seven letters to seven churches, to the church of Ephesus, the church of Smyrna, the church of Sire all of these churches were in Asia Minor, modern day Turkey. And I think it's good for us to revisit uh, these letters in our own lives, in the body of Christ, and, and see what would God have to say to us. if if God wrote a letter to Rocky Mountain Calvary, what would that letter say? If he wrote a letter to you personally, to me personally, what would that letter say? But in these letters, we really get an idea of what church is to be from God's perspective. And Jesus gives correction. He gives uh, encouragement. One of the things that I really like about these seven letters is that Each church receives an attribute of Christ. And I've really experienced that individual local churches, God seems to give special characteristics of himself, where they really declare God's glory in that aspect in a really awesome way. So let's start with the church of Ephesus. This is Revelation chapter 2. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. So to the angel of the church of Ephesus, this word angel in the Greek means messenger, and it may be the pastor, not that the pastor is an angel, or it could be that God gave a specific angel to each church. There's a church in Ephesus. What do we know about Ephesus? It's a large seaport city. It's the home to the temple of Artemis home of a huge ancient library, lots of sexual sin. In the ancient ruins of Ephesus, you actually have directions on the sidewalk to the house of the prostitute. I think in a lot of ways, Ephesus looked like a lot of our larger American cities, consumed with sexual sin, consumed with idolatry, consumed with intellectualism, taking pride in our intellect. But the cool thing is, is there's a church that's thriving in Ephesus, and Jesus is writing to them and he's encouraging them. And Jesus tells us that he holds the seven stars in his right hand. The, the stars are the angels. We know that from the end of chapter one. So he's holding the angels, the messenger in his hands, and he's in the midst of the golden candlestick. The purpose of the church is to be light. We're to be light in the world, and Jesus is in the midst of, of the church. And so, next time you're gathered with believers, whether it's in your home or coffee shop or in a church building, I want you to know that Christ is in the midst. So, here's his summary of the church of Ephesus I know your works, your labor, your patience, that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and found them liars. So that's pretty awesome. God's saying, I know your works. I know your labor. I know your patience. And I, I want you to be reminded of that as well. As God sees your hard work, He sees your labor of love. Don't get weary in doing good. So this church was laboring hard, laboring faithfully. They're also testing false teachers, testing those who. Say they are apostles, but are not, and find them to be liars. And you've persevered, you have patience, and have labored for my name's sake, and have not become weary. That's a great encouragement. That's a great commendation that God gives to them. They've persevered, they've had endurance, they've labored for the sake of Christ, and have not become weary. Here comes then Christ's correction. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Oh, ouch. (laughs) This is heartbreaking. God says, this is what I have against you, is that you've actually left your first love. You've abandoned your first love. The Church of Ephesus is keeping up with all the exterior actions of sound doctrine, of laboring, of ministering unto the Lord but they have lost their heart. They've lost their their love uh, for the Lord. And they, more accurately, have left their first love. Uh, Who desires a loveless marriage? (laughs) Faithfulness, but no love, no passion, not ideal. Obviously, faithfulness, but inside of that faithfulness to have passion and to have love. And, And God's the same way. He wants us loving him. To love him with all of our heart, mind, soul, uh, and strength to to love our neighbor uh, as ourself, but to be moved by love, your first love, what was it like when you first fell in love with the lord and and that's where we come to verse five: Remember from where you have fallen there's three r's here there's first to be in a place of remembering, remember your first love. What was it like when you first fell in love uh, with the Lord? I remember when God got a hold of my life. I was a freshman in high school. I was 14 years old and was touched by the grace of God, overwhelmed that he would love me while I didn't want to have anything to do with him. And I wanted to read the word. That was really the first works uh, in, in my life as as I really wanted to be in God's word I woke up the next morning and I wanted to read the gospel of Matthew and that desire to be in God's word has was something that I hadn't had prior in my life it was always a chore it was always a have to to spend time in God's word so that's foundational for me in remembering my first love what what was it that God was doing in your life that caused you to come to know him so we we want to remember then we want to repent and do the first works. So it's remember, repent, and redo. Repent is a 180. Turn back to the Lord. Come back to him. God allows for us to do 180s. He welcomes us back to return and redo those first works. Probably your first works and your relationship with the Lord were not complicated. For me, it was a a love of wanting to spend time in God's Word. I immediately started wanting to serve and children's ministry in my church. And So being in the Word and being in service, those are my first works. I think about when my wife and I first met this September. We'll celebrate our 23rd wedding anniversary, and this dates us a little bit. But we both had cell phones, but you couldn't call long distance on your cell phone. So, I had a calling card and call from a landline in my apartment and call to Amber, who was living in Glenwood Springs and going to Colorado Mountain College. We would talk, 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 talk on the phone. And then that calling card would run out of minutes. I'd say, Hang on, I'm going to fill up the card and call you back. And I'd have to call the number on the back of the card. And then with my debit card, Go ahead and put more minutes on it and call Amber back. But that were the those were the first works of us falling in love with each other. And what's that with the Lord? And God doesn't want a, a loveless church. He wants us to go back to that place of our first love uh, with Him. So today we're talking about a healthy church. Uh, one of the marks of a healthy church from Revelations chapter two is that we would be in love with Christ. It seems to make sense, but we can be faithful on the exterior, but lose that love for Christ. So that touches a chord today. I just encourage you, return to your first love. We're going to head to a break here in just a few seconds, but stay with us today. We're going to be diving deep into this important question of what's a healthy church. You're listening to Crosswalk, Colorado Springs on 100.7 The Word.
0: Crosswalk Colorado Springs on 100.7, The Word.
1: Welcome back to Crosswalk Colorado Springs. This is Pastor Eric Cartier from Rocky Mountain Calvary. Thanks so much for joining me today. Today I'm looking at what is a healthy church. Revelations 2 and 3 are personal letters from Jesus to seven churches. And I think they really speak to our hearts and lives as well. Of What does it mean to be the church of God? What are the encouragements that God would have for us, but also what are the corrections that he would give to us? We're looking at the Church of Ephesus, and the Church of Ephesus has an awesome resume. They're loving the Lord, they're being faithful, they're being in a place where they're testing false doctrine, false apostles, and finding them to be liars. But there's something there for Christ that he sees, and They've left their first love. They have this exterior love for the Lord, but they've lost their their passion for the Lord. And this is where we pick up in verse 5. It says, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. This seems kind of severe. Jesus is looking at this church who has exterior faithfulness, and he says, I'm going to close you down if you don't return to your first love. And this shows the importance of love to the Lord. He doesn't want a loveless uh, church, even though they're being faithful on these exterior things. God has a way of closing churches or limiting their influence. Our influence is an overflow of our love for Jesus. If we lose our love for Jesus, we lose everything. Is the testimony of our lives and our church that we love Jesus? Our message as believers is not just what we're against, but what we're for. And that's really important. Our local church, Rocky Mountain Calvary, are we known for just what we're against? Or are we known for what we're for? And that's Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Can it be said of us that we love Jesus? So if I'm not loving Jesus, if the church isn't loving Jesus, God has a way of Closing down uh, churches. Here's another encouragement that's given, but this you have that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. So God hates these deeds of the Nicolaitans. These were false teachers. Nicolaitans, Nikos means conquest, laity means people of the church. So these are leaders that are conquering or controlling people of the church. Pastors, leaders, we're to be servant leaders and we're to be helpers of people's joy. We're not to have dominion uh, over their, their faith, dominion over people's lives. And so those leaders that come in in a abusive way to take control of God's people, God hates that and so did the church of Ephesus. They're standing up uh, against that. Now here in verse 7 I think is a really important mark or understanding of a healthy church, and it's, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So just because we have a physical ear doesn't mean that we are listening spiritually uh, to God. And this is the case oftentimes in our human relationships. Someone's talking to us, but we're not listening. We're distracted. We're thinking about someone else, something else. We're thinking about our phone. So the spirit is speaking. That's what's powerful about this verse. What the spirit says to the churches. So the spirit is speaking. The question is, am I listening? In Matthew thirteen verse nine, it says, "Whoever has an ear, let him hear." So Jesus used this phrase as well. It's time to get out the spiritual earwax. So a really important distinction of a healthy believer, healthy church, is. Am I listening? Am I being still and knowing that he is God? Then we have an encouragement to him who overcomes. I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. How do we overcome? First John five, 5 tells us who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God. So we overcome by believing that Jesus is the Son of God. How do we know that we're going to be welcomed to the tree of life in the midst of the paradise of God if we continue to trust in Jesus, if we continue to trust in his death, his burial, and resurrection? I always get concerned in talking with someone that says, you know, I believed in Jesus 20 years ago, that he was my Savior, that he died for my sins and rose again, but I don't believe that. Anymore. I've walked away from my faith. I've deconstructed my faith. I don't believe in God. I don't believe Jesus is my Savior. That's a scary place to be in because we overcome by continuing to abide in the gospel. Man, that's going to be awesome to be at the Tree of Life. Let's meet up at the Tree of Life. Tree of Life is eternal life, it's fellowship with God that was broken through the Tree of the Knowledge of Good and Evil. So it's our relationship with God restored at the tree of Calvary. So you've got these three trees in the Bible. You've got the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, where sin entered into our lives in the world. You've got the tree of Calvary, which then allows us to go to the tree of life to be restored with the Lord. Well, let's look at the church of Smyrna. It's the second letter to the second church. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna right? These things says the first and the last, who was dead, and came to life. Smyrna was a large and wealthy city, thirty-five miles north of Ephesus. Like Ephesus, it was a seaport. In contrast to Ephesus, it is still a large seaport today. A large city there in Turkey, where Ephesus is now deserted ruins. Smyrna means myrrh. Smyrna. Experiencing the bitterness of suffering became a sweet perfume to the Lord like myrrh. As they were being persecuted for the word of God, we see this strong encouragement of the attribute of Jesus, the first and the last who was dead and came to life. Their persecution doesn't have the final word, but Jesus has the final word. He's the first and the last in the Greek, the alpha. And Omega, Alpha, the first letter of the Greek alphabet. Omega, the last letter of the Greek alphabet. He died and rose again. He's conquered the grave. I know your works. God sees the works of the Church of Smyrna. He sees your works. That's something to keep in mind. He also knows their tribulation and their poverty, but you are rich. So they're being crushed. They're they're going through tribulation. They're in poverty, there's a lack of finances, a lack of food, but notice it says, but you are rich. And that's what really matters, is they're spiritually rich with Christ. Can have physical riches, but be in a place of spiritual poverty. You can also be in a place where you have nothing from a material sense, but you have everything in Christ. Godliness is not a guarantee for gain but godliness with contentment is great gain i think the best cup of tea i ever had was in gulu uganda i was there doing some ministry with my friend kent nolly I was teaching some local ugandan pastors and at the break the women of the church made some tea and they were also making lunch and the women in society of uganda are just heroes they really hold things together they work so hard and These women were laboring so that we could have lunch, that we could have tea, and that cup of tea really struck me of just their love for Jesus and the gift that was being offered in hospitality. And here, these Ugandan believers didn't have a lot physically, didn't have a lot in terms of money, but they had what really matters, and that was Jesus and a love for Christ's people. So The Church of Smyrna is an example of a healthy church. Here they are going through persecution and tribulation, but they're rich in Christ. This is Crosswalk Colorado Springs with Pastor Eric Cartier from Rocky Mountain Calvary. Just want to remind you that today's show does turn into a podcast. Anywhere you find your podcasts, you can search Crosswalk Colorado Springs. We're Monday through Friday from 5 to 6 on 100.7. The Word. Sometimes we have guests. Sometimes we take questions. And today I'm just sharing my heart with you about a healthy church. So don't go away. We've got a lot more to cover right after the break on 100.7 The Word. This
0: is Crosswalk, Colorado Springs on 100.7 The Word.
1: Welcome back to Crosswalk, Colorado Springs with Pastor Eric Cartier. Thanks so much uh, for joining me. This is a local show and I'm a local pastor. Really love living here in Colorado Springs and pastor at Rocky Mountain Calvary. Today I'm talking about a healthy church. And I think when we think about a healthy church, we've got to go to Christ's perspective. Thankfully, he wrote seven letters to seven churches In Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, we're looking at the church of Smyrna, and they're being persecuted, and they're poor, but yet they're rich in Christ. And this is Revelation 2, verse 9, I know your works, tribulation and poverty, but you are rich. I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Those that are persecuting them are Jews. We know that from the text because they say they're Jews, but they're not, meaning that they haven't come to know Christ as their Savior, and their synagogue has actually become the synagogue of Satan. I often find this to be humbling, and as we think about a healthy church, just because it's a church building, just because it was once dedicated to the Lord, compromise can enter in just like the temple— where Jesus says this was to be a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves. And that's what took place with the synagogue in Smyrna. It's now become the synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of those things which are, you're about to suffer. Now, put this in perspective. If we were being persecuted and we knew that persecution was on the horizon, Would we tend to be fearful? But Jesus says, I don't want you to be afraid of the things you're going to suffer. Are there things that are yet future in your life that you're afraid of suffering? Is choose to put that in God's hands. And indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested, and you will have tribulation 10 days. Be faithful unto the end, and I will give you the crown of life. So Jesus is preparing them for the suffering. That lays ahead of them, but he encourages them and says, Hey, you're going to be tested, but this is temporary. And you continue to be faithful, and I will give you the crown of life. Again, this exhortation to listen. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Each of these churches received the exhortation. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to uh, the churches. Let's keep going in Revelation chapter 2 as we look at what is a healthy church, as we get to the church of Pergamos and Thyatira. And with these two churches, we see that doctrine really matters. Teaching and instruction really matters. Doctrine specifically is what we believe about God and how he would have us live our lives we see this play out in the church of Pergamos and Thyatira. what they le- believed about god and how he wants them to live their lives was an error error in belief leads to error in behavior did you catch that error in belief leads to error in behavior what forms have we erred in our belief about god and how has that affected how we live our lives jesus said in john 8:32 and you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. It's the truth of God that allows us to have sound doctrine. And to the angel of the church in Pergamos write, These things says he who has the sharp two-edged sword. The attribute that is given to the church of Pergamos about Jesus is sharper than a two-edged sword, coming with piercing words with truth and love. I think of Hebrews 4 of 12 that tells us that the word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. Pergamus is about 20 miles inland from Smyrna. Like Ephesus and Smyrna, it was a wealthy city, but it was wicked. People given over to pagan cults and worship of false gods, Dionysus, Zeus, Athena. Pergamus was famous for its university with a library of about 200,000 volumes. So that's that's a significant library there. So this is the church in which Jesus is writing to. I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. Jesus says, I know the adversity you're going through. And you hold fast to my name and didn't deny my faith, even in the days in which Antipas was my faithful martyr who was killed among you where Satan dwells. Satan means adversary, and he's coming against this church. But this church has held fast in the midst of darkness and persecution. Antipas was apparently martyred there where Satan dwells. So this is the encouragement that Jesus gives. But now here is the correction. But I have a few things against you because... You have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit sexual immorality. Balaam was hired to curse Israel. God turned his cursing into a blessing. But after that is all done, Balak encourages Moab to send in women to the men of Israel knowing that the men of Israel would not stand against sexual sin, and sexual sin led to idolatry, which then destroyed the children of Israel. So there's those that are teaching in the church that they are mixing in sexual immorality into the teaching of God. And I don't think this could be any more relevant as we talk about what makes for a healthy church in 2023, is there's many in the name of God that are teaching sexual sin. That it really doesn't matter if you're faithful to your spouse uh, or not. It really doesn't matter if you live uh, together, not taking a stand on pornography, not taking a stand on biblical sexuality, that marriage is between a man and a woman, committed in the side of the commitment of, of marriage saying that God is a proponent of homosexual marriage, that God is a proponent of gender transition, of men choosing to be women, women choosing to be men. So I think this is really important as you think about a healthy church, is do they hold to God's word with sexuality? But also to be challenged in our own lives, are we living inside of God's design for sexuality? Have we adopted this liberal view that God's okay with however I live my life sexually. Remember that God loves us, and that's why he's given us a plan for our sexuality. Thus, you also have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which I hate. They're allowing this. This is people conquering people in the name of God. They're overemphasizing man, man taking control of the church. Repent, or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Repent is used five of the seven churches. He encourages them to repent. And what I love about this is Jesus is staying committed uh, to uh, these churches, even though they're not in the place that they should be. And there's this challenge He who has an ear, let him hear. What the Spirit says to the churches, to him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat. I'll give him a white stone, and on that stone, a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. And then we'll look at the church of Thyatira. So the church of Pergamos has gotten themselves in a place where their teaching is off when it comes to biblical sexuality and saying that God blesses things that he condemns in uh, his word. So we want to hold to God's word when it comes to biblical sexuality, knowing that he's got the best plan for us. Hey, this is Pastor Eric from Rocky Mountain Calvary. This is a local show focused on Colorado Springs in Southern Colorado. Thanks so much uh, for listening. We've got a few different formats on Crosswalk. One is we have interviews, and then a lot of times we're Open for questions and open for your texts. Uh, today we're looking at what's a healthy church from Jesus's letters to the seven churches. So stay with me. We're going to look at the church of Thyatira when we come back on one hundred
0: point seven, the
1: Word. Crosswalk, Colorado
0: Springs on one hundred point seven, the Word.
1: Good God Almighty. Welcome back to Crosswalk, Colorado Springs. This is Pastor Eric Cartier. Today, talking about a really important subject, and that is, what is a healthy church? Hopefully, your drive home's going good, traffic's not uh, too bad, or you're already home for the evening. I think for us to really be able to tell what's a healthy church, we've got to go to God's Word. Jesus writes seven letters to seven churches, Revelations 2 and 3 encourage you to study it for yourself. This is Revelations 2, verse 18, to the church of Thyatira. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, these things says the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet like fine brass. Each church gets an attribute of Jesus, a specific attribute assigned to them. Thyatira, modern-day Turkey, 20 miles southeast of Pergamos. It's at a junction of three major roads leading to Pergamos, Sardis, and Smyrna. So a lot of people would travel through. Thy attire was known for their dyes to make wool. This was a small town. We see the smallest town receiving the biggest letter. The attribute that's given to them is eyes of the flame of fire. God sees exactly where they're at Feet as refined and fine, feet like fine brass speaks of Jesus walking with us through the fiery trials of life. Well, first the six encouragements. I know your works, love, service, faith, and your patience. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. And so this is interesting, as they're maintaining good works in the midst of compromise. And sometimes that makes compromise even the more deceptive in our lives, because there's this part of our life that we're obedient, but yet there's this other part of our life where we're walking in disobedience. Here's God's correction. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you, because you allow that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants, to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. There's little doubt that this woman's name was actually Jezebel, but God is calling her out for the way that she is damaging and destroying God's people, and she's like Jezebel in the Old Testament. So who was Jezebel in the Old Testament? She was married to King Ahab, and she was the daughter of Ethbaal, who was the king of Sidon. Not only was Ethbaal the king, but he was also the high priest of Asherah. Jezebel was used negatively in Israel, promoting idolatry and immorality and desiring to kill all the prophets of God. Now, this modern day Jezebel that was being allowed to teach in the church of Thyatira, she was seducing the servants of God to commit sexual immorality and to eat things sacrificed to idols. So once again, we see entering into the church of God a false teaching about sexuality, that, hey, it's okay to love Jesus, but also engage in sexual sin. And unfortunately, we're seeing a lot of churches do that exact same thing today. A lot of churches are backing off of God's message of sexuality, whether it's couples living together outside of marriage or it's homosexuality or it's uh, changing your gender. And God wants us to live in his design for sexuality, not because he's heavy-handed, but because he's got the ultimate plan uh, for us. Verse 21, and I give her time to repent of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. God always gives us time to repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, unless they repent of their deeds. God gives a period for judgment, but then he's going to bring consequences. And what stands out to me is the church of Thyatira is in a sickbed because of their sexual sin. And when we think about a healthy church, is that the case today? Is the Church of America, the Church of Colorado Springs, actually become like the Church of Thyatira, where we are in sexual sin, and because of it, we're in a sickbed. And so God calls us out of that place, calls us out of sexual sin to repent, to turn away from what God has called sin and into his design. I just want to share my heart with you for just a second, is if you find yourself as a believer and you're listening to this broadcast, I don't think it's a coincidence, and you're walking in rebellion to God's design. Maybe you're in a adultery. Maybe you're in pornography. Maybe you're living with your boyfriend or your girlfriend. Maybe you're living in a homosexual relationship is I would encourage you to turn away from that sin, to confess it to the Lord, and then to walk out of it. I think of the woman who was caught in adultery and what Jesus said to her is he forgave her. And then he said, go your way and sin no more. And God forgives you. He He wants to provide that forgiveness that only he can give. But would you be willing to cut off that relationship? If you're in adultery with Someone, would you be willing to to cut it off and then confess to your your spouse and even your church leaders? Are you ready to cut pornography out of your life? Those of you that are living together as as boyfriend and girlfriend, are you ready to to get married and to stop uh, living uh, together, even if it means separating for a period uh, to where you can get premarital counseling and and then get married and enter into uh, God's uh, design. If you're in a homosexual relationship, to go, I understand that this is not God's design, and I'm getting out of this relationship and getting into God's uh, design. Church of Thyatira is in a sickbed because of their sexual sin, and could that be the case for the American church as well? I will kill her children with death, this is verse 23, and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts and I'll give to each one of you according to your works. There's a time of repentance in our lives as believers, and God loves us enough if we don't repent that he's going to bring the consequence. Now to you I say, and to the rest of Thyatira, as many as do not have this doctrine, who have not known the depths of Satan, as they say, I will put on you no other burden, but hold fast what you have till I come. Don't compromise. Hold fast. Jesus is coming, is the the message there. And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. So this promise of walking in faithfulness, trusting Christ, that God is going to give power over uh, the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessel as I also have received from my Father. Jesus is going to rule over the nations in his second coming. We see this in Psalms 2, uh, verse 9, and we're going to rule and reign with Christ. And so this is quite a motivation for faithfulness. I'll give him the morning star. This is the star before sunrise. He's offered the reward of himself. Jesus is the, the morning star, and he's offering himself as a reward. So he who has an ear, let him hear what he says to uh, the churches. Belief leads to behavior. We can't accept the doctrine of Balaam. We can't listen to the prophet of Jezebel. God does clearly care about sexual integrity. So now's the time for a repentance. Hey, join me next Monday because I'm going to take a look at Revelations 3. It's going to be part two of what is a, a healthy a church, And as you go through this, it's important for each of us to just ask this question, what would the Holy Spirit say to me? It's easy to look at this and go, oh, this is really good for someone else. But the Spirit is speaking, and what is the Spirit speaking to you? You know, as we end the show, what is God saying to you? And am I stopping to listen to what the Lord would speak to me? Thanks for joining me on Crosswalk Colorado Springs. This is Pastor Eric Cartier from Rocky Mountain Calvary. I hope that you have a great night, that you know that the Lord loves you, that this has been a blessing to you. So until next time, good night.